Let's get this started. It's Nanji Dorsey here with another installment of Biotalks. I want to thank everybody for joining us today as we have a chance to talk with Mr. Ulysses Marshall. Mr. Marshall is an artist that we've been working with for a couple years now exhibiting his work and we wanted to spend some time and get to know him a little bit better so in, uh, as a result you get a chance to know him a little bit better as well. We love his work, have had a lot of interest but we want to bring more interest and activity to the work that Mr. Marshall is doing. And so we thank him for taking a moment out of his day from his studio practice to talk with the Black Art in America community. So how are you doing today, Mr. Marshall? I'm well today, thank you. And you? Uh, doing fantastic, man. We're here at a, another point in time. We're able to create and live this art life. And, you know, it doesn't get much better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and glad to hear that you're doing well. So let's let's jump on in. And, and, and if you would, Mr. Marshall, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work. Uh, tell us a yeah. little tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up uh, in the mid was born in 46 in a small town, Vienna, Georgia, where I attended high school and uh, after high school. Went into the military for two years, served with the. Uh, 173rd Airborne Division in Vietnam, after which I returned to go to Albany State College, which is Albany University, Albany, Georgia. I majored in sociology with a minor in psychology. Um, had no art experiences in high school. There were no art courses, no galleries, mm -hmm. no Museums, no art teachers, so I had little knowledge about art itself. Um, it really wasn't until I was attending Albany State College, Albany, Georgia, that students noticed that I sat underneath a large oak tree during the rain uh, when it would rain very hard, and they began to associate my behavior with that of the art. Professor Om Cedarberg. Om Cedarberg was Korean who was adopted by an American, brought to America, and attended Cranbrook uh, Academy mm -hmm. in painting. So, with that association, I began to, you know, try to find out a little bit about Cedarberg, began to go over to the art department, hang out a bit. And I began just uh, not really having an interest, but more of an interest in Om Cedarberg. Okay. What encouraged my beginning career, although I was working a little bit in the art department in ceramics, clay, I really didn't like that. And it was something I asked if I could come in and just uh, mess around in the art department. So guys said, well, yeah, you can come in and hang about, see how you like it. So I did, and um, it wasn't very exciting at first. And it wasn't until I took a summer job in Buffalo, New York, that I saw my first large William B. Koenig Woman One. And when I saw Woman One, I realized that it was paint but it was the same as my grandmama did quilts. So that was my beginning in art. I mm -hmm. don't remember the year I was there, but I do remember saying, oh, my grandma does this. 
<laughs> but his is in art, and she does quilts. Right. And as a kid, I lived with my grandmother off and on. My parents assigned me to, the word assigned is kind of rigid, but assigned me to live with her because my grandfather had died early and I never knew him, and she lived alone. So I would go up and help, you know, with the yard. And back then we had to build fires and get in coal and chop wood, rake the yard. Mm-hmm. So I did all of that stuff with her. Mm-hmm. And at night, during the winter and summer months, she would make her quilts. There were quilting bees and people would come around and make the stretchers and do the quilting. And I tried sewing and tried sewing clothing. I wanted to make clothing. I was out of my line, but that, those moments living with my grandmother, having watched her make her quilts was my beginning into the art world. Hmm. Is... And uh, Ohm Cedarberg became my mentor. He was a painter mm-hmm. and he became my mentor. And so he would spend, um, we would sit hours and hours. He would never let me pick up a paintbrush. He talked to me about my culture. He talked to me about making decisions about my background, being African-American and what that meant, uh, going into the art world and making choices and decisions and have me look at art, just have me look at art. We would discuss paintings, discuss paintings, what I saw, mm-hmm. what he saw. And eventually, I began to paint under his guardianship. Right. And, um, so I, I stayed at Albany for maybe a year. And in my, senior, in my senior year, going into my senior year, I would stay so, I spent so much time in the art department that my uh, sociology uh, uh, advisor just called me in one day and said, look, you're never over in the sociology department anymore. So why don't you just change your major to art? And mm-hmm. I did. Talk, talk to us a little bit about those early years of, of, of this, making a decision to spend more time and, and, and even consider becoming a professional artist or trying to make a living as an artist. Do you remember those early years of that? Well, I, I, there were a couple of uh, struggling periods. Mm-hmm. And I would begin by saying not knowing anything much about the art world mm-hmm. and only getting information from Cedarburg in a small environment which was Albany State uh, campus and not really being involved in an art world and having going to art shows or having to interact with other artists beyond the students that was my world at that point mm-hmm. um, so it wasn't frightening because I didn't, I didn't know, I wasn't sure of the unknown. But when I came to Washington, I came in the early, in the mid-70s. Okay. And I had applied to several art schools, but I didn't know much about portfolios. Mm. So I was not accepted even at Cranbrook, where my Cedarburg tried to get me to go, I, I didn't have a portfolio. I mean, no one taught me about, you know, preparing to go into the art world. Sure. But when I came to 
Washington, I had applied around, and then I applied to Maryland Institute in Baltimore and uh, was accepted based on the strength of my paintings. So I went in uh, as a kind of an advanced freshman, and with that, began to understand a bit more about the art world. Okay. Uh, about going to New York to see art. Uh, New York mm-hmm. instructors coming down as artists, going to their studios, uh, understanding the kind of uh, uh, the effectness of becoming an artist, what that really meant. But again, you know, you in school and, and people say, oh, I love this and you love, and you think at some moments you're going to go out and become famous. Because when I was there, you know, people were famous. You know, you go to famous people's studio and you think, oh, I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. you don't look at, there are some hurdles to get to where they are. Right. And sometimes they don't explain thoroughly those hurdles to get to where they are. They just say, oh, you know, you're a good artist. I love your work, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of get hung up in the fantasies of what an artist really is. Mm -hmm. But what I've learned is that in order to be successful, I think one has to look inside as well and not accept the outside world as adopting you as a successful artist at some point. Because it all begins in the studio and it all begins with your self-esteem, your self-worth, your ability to communicate, uh, the ability to take criticisms as a positive intervention in your life, and somehow to filter negative responses in a way that it doesn't impede your aspirations to succeed. What type of, I mean, because as an artist, we've all gone through that, you know, getting the criticism and and the feedback, how has that, I mean, can you think of one instance that you recall of getting some not so positive feedback and how that may have changed or had you look at your work in a, in a new way? Um, probably uh, being rejected when I was trying to get into galleries. Okay. You know, I would go up to New York and take my, my portfolio and they would say, I love your work, one person or two people would say, I love your work, but the third or fourth person needs to see it come back. And that became like, ah, that was an issue. Or going in, making appointments, and someone spit, you know, had you waiting for an hour or so, and as soon as you walk in, you say, well, no, we're not interested in your work, which could have been done much earlier. You know, those kind of things, I think, were things that I took not so much in the negative sense, but as a strengthening for me to say, okay, so five galleries have rejected me, and I'm gonna put these five galleries with their letterhead in the studio, and I'm gonna work. I'm not gonna work based on what they say they like for their uh, institution, but I'm gonna work for what I think my culture 
is desiring of me, mm-hmm. what my what my uh, family has taught me, my family values. I'm looking at uh, African American lives. I'm looking at the journey from I always call it from slave to slavery to slave again. So I kind of look at that as a strength, and not so much as um, a negative quality, because I think painting and art demands that you fulfill a kind of gracefulness in your own life. And it, outside of art, it is the same. If someone said they don't like the way you look or like the way you do something, mm-hmm. you know, then it becomes, oh, I have to do this. I, I never look at anything that way. You know, if it doesn't work out, then I can make the improvements because I create in a vacuum here by myself. And I also understand when it leaves the studio that others might not have the same interpretation or the same feeling about it as I have, but it's my child and it's my responsibility to support that child once it's outside or before it goes out. Mm -hmm. So that's the way I look at my art in the sense that uh, all criticisms become things that I can improve upon rather than look at it as a detriment. Talk to us a little bit about uh, your process and maybe some of the subject matters that that you, you know, uh, visit most often. I mean, I see a lot of family. I see, you know, spirituality. I see women and men. I mean, can you go into a little bit more detail in terms of um, the the work you're doing? I grew up in an environment where women were supportive, uh, mentors, guidance, that kind of environment. Very small community where fathers might be working, but mothers or other cousins or other neighbors were about that were raising kids and had some say-so in your life. So I always kind of look at women as the kind of pillars and strength of our culture, Mm -hmm. not that men have not given greatly to it, but I also think that women have been like the pillows. When I grew up, they were the pillows of, of the culture, and they were the caretakers and bearers of children, and neighbors gave as well as families to that institution of familyhood. So that has been important to me, the strength the courage, uh, the inspiration to move forward. You know, like my mom was like, get out here, you're going to do this, you're going to do that, I'm going to check on you, I'm going to make sure dad was working, but mom was the whip. So that's probably why you see women and children in the work a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also, in the work, I want to, Working with kids and having them understand their history was an abstract uh, phenomenon for me. It was like you you share some that once a month African American History Month, and you talk about you know King and those. But when you move from the subject of where you came from, 
your ancestries, what they did in order for you to get to where you are, that whole thing evaded them. So rather than doing abstract art, what I started out doing, I decided that even my daughter didn't understand what I was doing. So that was a problem for me. I think that was the major hurdle that I had to go beyond to say, I need to make things that are relevant. I need to make things that shows where we came from. I need to make things to, for years to come, hopefully people will look at the work and say, oh, that reminds me of the strength that my grandmother had to endure me to get to where I am today. So that is important to me. I see where it. Where we came from and where we are. The, you know, I see, speaking of, you know, where we come from and where we are, I see a, what appears to be quite a bit of tribal reference or ancestral reference with the way that you apply collage and you use uh, the, the figures of mask in your pieces. Um, can you talk a little bit about your influences? Um, well, as you probably know from seeing my work, and I had the opportunity to meet, not only meet him, but to go into his studio when I was in uh, Whitney Independent Study Program in New York and share some of my work with him and get feedback. Um, I, I, the, 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 I, I don't call my work like the collage. I call it paper dolls because I played paper dolls okay. as a child. Mm -hmm. With my grandmother, there were no other kids in the area, so I had to be self-entertained. So I played a tremendous amount of paper dolls as a kid. And uh, I guess one afternoon I was talking to my sister, and she asked me, was I in the studio? And I said, yeah, I'm out here painting. She said, no, you're probably still out there playing paper dolls. <laughs> so they are acrylic paper dolls on canvas. I see. And that identifies my childhood. What I, those works are picking up the pieces of our lives and putting them back together in a more positive manner. Um, the cutouts, the cardboard that I use, the wood that I use in the paintings, all are part of building a community of strength and resilience. It's uh, letting me know and hopefully the audience know that barriers can be torn down and lives can be rebuilt. It's just that sometimes you need encouragement mm -hmm. to get beyond those barriers. And the unknown on the other side is not as frightening as we might think they are if we don't face up to them. If you just live in a dreamy kind of world, then a dream is just a dream. It's not a reality unless you touch it and you move it. So with my paintings, I'm always trying to move that reality. I'm always trying to take it out of the dreams and saying, this could have happened, this happened to my ancestors, to your ancestors. We are beyond it, but we should not forget it because that is the strength that brought us from point A to point C or point F. Mm -hmm. So my, my work is basically looking at our history, being encouraged by it, not being ashamed of it, understanding that it happened to us, and it becomes a kind of a teaching mechanism 
a conversation of peace, an encouragement to say to your child or to your friends, hey, let's not be ashamed of who we are from where we came because we have made tremendous progress. We can go forward and we can have strength and pride in being African-Americans. Hey, Black Art in America fam, you're listening to another installment of Buyer Talks. I want to thank you for your continued support. Now remember, you can always buy art from anywhere, but when you buy it from Black Art in America, it helps make a lot of this programming that we make accessible to our members and the people that follow us absolutely free content for your enjoyment. So consider buying art from buyblackart.com or visit us at Shop Buyer, that's Shop B-A-I-A.com and take a look at some of the works that we have from both contemporary and legacy artists and if you're a collector looking to do a session work and need some help selling contact us about that as well we will be more than happy to talk with you about what you have this is Najee Dorsey with another installment of Buyer Talks and here's the rest of the story you listen to another installment of Buyer Talks currently here with brother Ulysses Marshall fantastic artist and we're learning more about his paper doll paintings uh, and a little bit about his history um, Mr. Marshall, talk to us about, you know, there's a, there's like, there's a language. I mean, you've come into, you know, you've definitely got a signature style that's all your own. Um, talk to us about the language that you're using. I mean, cause I see a lot of abstraction and mark make and mark making in your pieces. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about that language? No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm actually looking at your work while we're talking and, and, you know, it just opens up a whole new avenue of understanding. Remember 
our homeland, and only were we given the second eye to see once we were free and understood what our new responsibilities were. So I went from the one eye basically to, to the two eyes now because we have arrived. So I, and how I began my artwork is primarily through um, a story. I don't go in and do sketches or I don't go in and select colors prior to my work. Mm -hmm. I simply go in put, and I don't paint on an easel. I simply go in, put the canvas on the floor and began the work because I've already had the story in my head before I began to paint several days prior to painting. I have a narrative. Mm -hmm. I go over the story in my head. I try to visually see it. And then once I've ended that story, I know where my first beginning painting in the series should go. I know what I'm trying to communicate. And I basically know when I've finished the story. I see. So, mm -hmm. uh, very seldom do I do a sketch or I just simply go in and start and kind of like my grandmother. Um, she never, when she was doing quilting, she would just reach into the bag of, of, of scraps. She had a pattern. She'd get that. She'd just throw things together. Mm -hmm. You know, different colors were mixing. You know? She didn't kind of say, well, I can't put this to this, and this doesn't go with this, and this doesn't. She just simply did it. And when it was finished, they were beautiful. Yeah. So it, I, I apply that same method to my painting. Any, I, any, it's my, my mom is in the studio with me. Right. And directing my movements in my hand. When I get frustrated or I can't figure something out, I always say, okay, Grandma, now it's your turn to pick up the paintbrush and get busy. <laughs> we have that relationship. That's awesome. Tell, no, now tell me, tell, talk to us a little bit about what you're currently working on. And I'm, I'm interested also to know, like, any, are you finding, like, new discoveries? Like, you know, you spend as much time in the studio in the creatives lab as we have. You know, any new discoveries uh, that, that you're coming across these days as you continue to work? Well, I am now <laughs> going back to paying that. I'm, 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 well, let me see. I am going to do some abstract paintings, totally abstract painting without the figures, just abstract. And the reason I'm doing that is it requires a different uh, thinking, it requires a different application, mm -hmm. uh, requires a, a kind of different vision of the story. So I've started, I've been working on this one for a while. <laughs> I keep changing it, changing it, changing it, changing it. The storyline is that Ezekiel saw the wheel. And finally, after about four or five different, you there? I am. Yeah, I'm listening. Oh, mm -hmm. My phone just went through. Okay. Uh, after four or five different paintings, you know, I finally got Ezekiel saw the wheel. And I was pleased with that. But then it kind of, my storyline stopped right there. So I'm kind of stuck <laughs> right now in terms of where to go, but I think uh, climbing Jacob's Ladder is going to be the next one. 
that I'm going to get started on sometimes this week or next week. Mm-hmm. I am also, uh, I've always wanted to be a sculptor. So I'm taking a course at uh, Prince George's Community College, and I'm learning how to what I call burn iron. I'm learning to sculpt. And I'm also going to do some bronze pieces that I've been uh, molded, and I have to wait till next semester, semester to start that process again. So I'm kind of changing my directions a little bit because some of the paintings that I've done are sculptorial looking with the cardboard and the wood and the way that I build the surfaces. Sure. So now I want to be able to actually mold things. I know it's going to take me a while to get there, mm-hmm. but I want to build some sculptures. I like Richard Hunt. You know, <laughs> I wanted to be a Richard Hunt in, in, uh, when I started my art. Mm-hmm. That's the only book that I saw. But then I realized that doing sculpture requires massive places to work and equipment and it's totally. Oh, well, you know, it depends on the scale. You know, I've actually, um, it's funny you mentioned about abstraction because I, I mean, I just posted a piece on Facebook today of an abstract work I just completed. I'm really excited about, and I've done so few abstractions. Um, and you're right, it does take a different, you know, a, a mental approach as, to some degree. And it's hard for me not to put, to plop a figure in a, in a, in a piece. I look, I look forward to seeing your sculptural work. I think, I think that's going to be really exciting to see. Well, that's going to be a while. I mean, what I've done, I like what I've done so far. Mm-hmm. My little birds, I call them, they're kind of uh, abstractly done. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I am going to work, hopefully, with another sculptor uh, who did a lot of sculpturing work in... Uh, in Connecticut for major artists and he now resides in Maryland and I've had some contact with him and been invited to come over and chit chat with him and go over you know he said I will be your mentor so I'm kind of looking forward to that in the in the in the 19 that's coming so I do have um I already have ideas about what I want to do sculpturally Mm -hmm. but now it's going to take me a little while, but once I get started, I mean, I'll be ready to go. But what I'm doing now is just learning how to weld, uh, not being afraid of the fire, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> being able to see through the shield. That's a whole different way of looking at things, making sure things are connected so they don't fall apart. But it's a learning experience. I'm excited about it. I will continue to do it. But I am going to do uh, a couple more of these abstract pieces just to see. You know, it's almost like I've been able to ride a, uh, a, a motorcycle. And then I haven't driven one in years. And someone says, you want to ride my bike? Mm-hmm. And I'm going like, yeah, I've done it before. I used to own one, but I haven't been on one in so long. I'm a little timid. So the abstraction is kind of like that now. I see. Now, I, I do I, the one I've been working on for a couple of weeks. I, I mean, I like it. Then I go and change it, and I go back and change it. And I don't like this, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I think I finished it last night, and I'm kind of I'm I, I am excited about it and ready to get on with some more. But yeah. that's that's the way all it is, you know. Um, the, the paths are frightening as you walk down because people somehow identify you with certain kinds of work, and they you know they want to see if you're improving. So when you move off the path or you go further down the path. Uh, not that you become frightened, but you know, people say, Oh, now you that's what you're doing now. I saw you, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, you know, that's it's actually like the 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 you know, a lot of people fall into the mindset that once you you know, once you're known for one thing, that you just gotta stay there. And it took right. it took me a minute to get away from that. And actually, I had a collector that kind of helped me with that. Because she's seen like the progression of my work over um, almost two decades, and right. so like when I'm doing something new and fresh and I'm happy about it, she said, "Oh, well, Najee, I love this, but you know, I love your old stuff too, you yeah. know." And so, <laughs> right, and so it's like I had to learn uh, to to just you know let the creativity flow, man. If I'm feeling like you know doing some clay, I'm gonna do some clay. If I want to do a woodcut, I'm gonna do that. If I want to sculpt, yeah. if I want to paint, because you know, it's all, it's all, it's all, you know, it's all forms of my expression and right. people will love what they love. And so the market, you know, oftentimes the market tell us don't do that though. You know, you know, you don't want to confuse nobody, you know, so. Right, right, right. But then you don't want to confuse yourself. You don't want to limit yourself. There you go. You know, it might not be what the market is asking for, mm -hmm. but it's what your inner mind is right. saying that this is what you should do. That's right. That's right. what you should do. And if you have to live with that piece on your wall forever. For sure. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, it would be cool. It would be cool to, 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 you know, you know, if, if, if we can ask the artist to say, hey, you know, share something of yours that you've done that you haven't shared publicly, like that may be outside of the scope of what you're most known for. I would love to to see what artists, you know, are experimenting with that they're not showing in this, you know, from that the would, studio. That would be interesting. Yeah. Would be interesting. Because I think a lot of things you just do because, as you say, that's the path that has been made for you. But then sometimes you have to make a path for yourself that is not acceptable at some point in the beginning, but will they will then catch up with your audience? I think if your audience like what you've done, they will like what you will be doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they don't, and if they don't, it's cool too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Tell me that. Tell me. Tell me this, and, and we're gonna you know wrap start to wrap this up, Mr. Marshall. I'm okay. I'm curious, you know, as you know, you as a brother that's you know, early seventies. If my math, if my if my math is correct, you know, I did it's just. Correct. <laughs> so, as a brother in this early seventies, has seen and created a lot of work yourself and seen a lot of art. What uh, what is art for you? You know, I mean, what is what 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 is art? Because there's a lot of images being created. You know. I, I think for me. That's a good question. For me, art is my ability to create and have that creation 
affect the life or lives of others. That's what it is to me. It's very simple. That's why I create. So more so for others' uh, response than necessarily, you know, just your own personal satisfaction. There is a satisfaction that I get because, mm-hmm. you know, because you create. And, and, and what, what sometimes I find myself sitting and looking and saying, boy, I created that? Mm-hmm. Where did that come from? But I think when others can identify with that in some way mm-hmm. and respond to it in some way, mm-hmm. That, to me, is the most important factor. Like, I was doing a presentation, and uh, I, I, I'm trying to remember the piece that I had, in, in the, I had a, a solo exhibition, and I was talking about the work. And um, I have no idea how, to, how I got around to that. I said, well, you know, my, this piece reminds me of my father when he used, was a bootlegger for the sheriff in the, in the county that we live mm-hmm. and this is what inspired it and then people kind of looked at me and all of a sudden man there were people talking about oh yeah my father my granddaddy did. I'm like that's amazing you know it just unlocked the fears of others to be able to say oh he can stand up here and admit that through his artwork and I've been closed off all these years and not said anything and that was, to me, was like, wow, this is amazing. Or you have people to say, um, you're different and you're strange because we create. And to, and to suggest to them, it's not, we have a gift, but the gift that we were given is a gift that we give back to you. We share that gift. Mm. And it's how you receive the gift that we share is what continually motivate me do what I do. Powerful. Wow. I can't think of a better place to end this conversation than than that message right there. Uh, Mr. Ulysses Marshall, I want to thank you for your time and the Black Heart in America community. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation and I want you, to, want, you to, want you to take a look at this brother's work again and again and again um, because we're really excited to continue to work with Mr. Marshall and just want to bring a few more eyeballs to what he's doing and look forward to seeing what's next from you, my good brother. Well, I'll send you that abstract piece at some point prior to Christmas and afterwards. <laughs> All right, sounds good. This is Najee Dorsey with another installment of Buyer Talks with Ulysses Marshall, and we hope you enjoyed this conversation. We'll catch you on the rebound. Thanks, fam. Peace.